So imagine um, right now, I just started handing out pieces of paper and said to you, okay, we're going to have a, a pop quiz. And uh, the quiz is going to be on what the sermon was last Sunday. Who was here last Sunday? Oh, now, now, I've seen a couple of people not raise their hand. Diane went like this. Please don't hand me a piece of paper. <laughs> you know, um, today's sermon is called Life is a School. And although actually we're not handing out pieces of paper, uh, one of the things about life is we never know what's coming next. But we always have to be prepared for what's coming next. And whether we're prepared or not, it's still coming. Uh, and it, it's sort of like a test. And whether you study or not, it's just there. And we faced uh, challenges in our lives where uh, we felt pretty equipped where we trusted God, and because of the experiences and the things that have happened in our lives, we, we work through it. Then there's other tests that come our way where we just thought, I'm not going to make it through this one. Um, so I want us to turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be reading the whole chapter, so because we're going to read the whole chapter, I'll, I'll spare you um, standing up, uh, remembering that the reason we stand when reading God's Word is just we so honor His Word. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 is, is actually uh, a scripture that God placed on my heart, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, and it is actually like my life chapter in the Bible. And this morning I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. So uh, let's get started. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting at verse 1, reads this way. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in the, and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. 
For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with this manna your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and, my, and the might of my hands have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that you may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, as you were preparing your people to bring them into the promised land, you gave them a reminder of where they've been. Father, you have an inheritance for us. You are bringing us into a promised land, Lord. But just like communion, we are never to forget. We are to remember where you brought us from. We are to recognize where you've brought us through. And we are to anticipate that you would keep every one of your promises, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Speak to our hearts this day, Lord. Continue to prepare us 
for the journey in this life that you've called us to, being filled with the Holy Spirit and being mission-minded to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, God gave me that scripture very long time ago um, for my life and some promises that he had laid on my heart and things that, that he would do in my life. And, and one of the things that we read here uh, that we need to, to understand right away is that um, where we come from matters. Uh, we have all come from slavery. Jesus uh, said that uh, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And, and each one of us uh, was in that place. And we can never forget that we were there. It actually lays out in John chapter 8, starting at verse 31, and it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Interesting here that they say, we're um, Abraham's offspring, or oh, we've never been enslaved. And we're just reading here of their wilderness experience and recognizing that God had brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and out of the house of slavery. It says then that he, he led them through a great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, and thirsty land where there was no water. It, it is very important for us to remember um, where we came from. Where we came from matters. And the reason why it's important is so that we never go back there again. It says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ, has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Well, one of the things that uh, slavery does is it actually enslaves your mind. So, so even um, if you break physical captivity, your mind can still be enslaved, and it is harder to break away from that freedom than it actually is to break away from the physical freedom. It actually says in Romans uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, 
either of sin, which leads to death, or of disobedience, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves to righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard of righteousness. But what were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? We always have to remember when we were slaves to sin, we reap the benefits of those fruits. And, and, and those benefits were nothing that we wanted. And it says, for the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, so we must remember where we came from as slaves. And, and in, a, in a physical sense, Israel had to remember where they had come from. And then we always have to recognize um, where we are, because where we presently are matters. He said to them, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. Why? That you may live that you may multiply, that you may go and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. God makes promises, and he tells us, be careful that you obey, because as you obey, then, then you live. So, so our slavery was leading us to death, and, and, and the newness of life that we now have in Jesus, it brings us to life. We live, we multiply, we possess, and God has promised these things. You shall remember the whole way the Lord your God had led you these 40 years in the wilderness. He was bringing them through a process. Why? It, it, why did he bring them through the desert those 40 years, through this wilderness? That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, 
whether you would keep his commands, his commandments or not. God knew full well what was in their hearts. God didn't do that to discover what was going on inside of them. What he needed them to do was to recognize what was in their heart. The, the greatest revelation that we could have is the revelation of who God is. The, the second greatest revelation that we can have is for us to recognize who we are. See, because, see, God's children, they don't always know what's in their heart. But, but we need to know that. And, and to tell you the truth, a lot of times we don't know what's in our heart because we don't want to know what's really in our hearts. And that is why we go through the school of life. And, and, and often we don't even know that we're in the midst of a lesson uh, until we fail the exam. How many times we go through something and, and then uh, we just recognize, I just messed up again. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have thought that way. Should not have done that. But it, it's part of it. But one of the things that we have to recognize is that the devil he tempts us to bring the worst out of us. But, but God, he tests us to bring the best out of us. He tests us so that we would mature. He, he tests us to teach us. And the main thing that he is teaching us is to trust him. It says, in, in starting in verse 3, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now if you remember uh, when Jesus fasted those 40 days in the desert uh, and Satan said, turn these stones to bread. He, he quoted this very same scripture. Because one of the things that we have to recognize, and, and Jesus already knew, God does not even have to supply our nourishment to our bodies with food. If, if he wanted to, he could sustain you with air. In the same way that he brought manna down, so they would recognize, no, this is from the hand of God. Uh, he could do anything he wants. And he was teaching Israel to leave that slave mentality, to, to, to recognize who he was and who they were as his chosen people. So he, he had to bring them through a process to bring them to the place of that knowledge. It, in the same way he does with us. So he fed them with manna. But then it also says, 
your clothes did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that a man, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. One of the things about um, humility and why God humbles us is because it has a direct relationship to obedience. When we are prideful, that, that's when we try to do things our own way. That's when we don't listen to God. That's when we think my way is better. It is humility that ties directly into obedience. We also see here that he gave them manna, but before he gave them manna, he let them be hungry for a little while. You know what hunger teaches you? It, it, it teaches you to appreciate the hand that feeds you. When, when you're hungry, the, the, the simplest thing tastes good. When, when you recognize the hand that that thing came from, uh, that is super important. But when you're full, not only does not much impress you, but you don't even recognize the hands that made it. So sometimes you don't even acknowledge uh, dad or mom cooking or, or your wife or, or whatever. And that this comes directly from God. We cannot receive food and forget the giver of the food. Manna was directly from God. And what he was doing was, was bringing them to the life to let them know life is school. God was teaching them. So when we hear that God disciplined them, the first thing we think about when we hear discipline is we think about a spanking. But, but punishment is for criminals. Discipline is for children. Discipline is motivated by love. That's why your parents, when they do give you a spanking, they say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I remember my parents saying that. I was like, I can't wait to use that one. It makes no sense to me. I'm going to use it anyway because someone used it on me. But discipline is motivated by love. And, and, when you discipline, when God disciplines, it's because he wants to equip you. It's because he wants to mature you. It's because he wants to teach you. So he fed a manna. Their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell. He gave them water from a rock in the desert. He, he did all of that to continually train them that your sustenance, your faith, your trust 
and a place where you will not survive outside of me can only come from me. So in your wilderness experiences, in your desert experiences, as he's brought you out of slavery and, 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 and brought you into uh, being his child and is leading you into what he has for you, you have to go through a process too. The, the, the problem is we don't like going through any processes, but it's so necessary. See, because if we don't remember that, that we were a slave and where we came from, who we were, what we were doing, and you just walked into the promised land, those things that were at the end of this chapter, you'd go there immediately. At, at least God bringing you through a process, uh, hopefully he's not going to let you go into that season without you being prepared for the blessings he has in store for you. Because those blessings will be your demise. So, so the process that we go through is so very necessary. He wants you to overcome your slave mentality. Again, it says in Galatians 5.1, we just read it, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Often through the epistles, Paul had to speak to the church about not going back to their old ways and self-righteousness. That's one thing that, like, believers... Once we have the Holy Spirit and, and, and now we're in God's family can pick up like a self-righteousness as we don't remember yesterday we were in the world doing the things that the world has done and us being uh, freed from slavery, we didn't free ourselves. But, but at times we can pick up that mentality. It says in verse 5, for then in your heart that Know then in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you, so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. That is what the discipline is about. So we need to remember where we came from. We need to remember where we, we need to know where we are and we need to recognize where we're going. Because where we're going matters. See, he, he, he brings you out to, to bring you through to set you up for blessings. So, so if you look at them being in Egypt, he, he brought them out. And then he brought them through the wilderness. They had to have that wilderness experience. But what was the benefit of that wilderness experience? Was to set them up for blessings. Was to give them the promised land. Was to give them the inheritance that he promised long ago. It's no different for us. He brought you out of slavery. He's bringing you through a time of testing and humbling so you would know it is God and God alone that sustains you, that keeps you, 
every word of his mouth that we live on and nothing else. And as we continue to learn that, that's the key to open up the door to the promised land, to the inheritance that he has for each and every one of us. You see, because after um, Israel was in Egypt and they were set free, the wilderness was not their destination. Neither is it yours. Their destination was the promised land. And, and just the word promised land, we know that some people break promises. Some because their word isn't good. Some because they don't have the ability to give what they promise. They want to, they're just not in that position. Not so with God. What God promises, he delivers. And, and just to remind you what they were promised, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. God had an inheritance for them. God has an inheritance for all his children, meaning me and you. And even when we hear that God fed them in the wilderness with manna, recognize what manna is, because manna is a type of Christ. It says in John chapter 6, starting at verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come? When did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. That's the danger. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. That's a word for someone here. Which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be Doing the work of God. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. 
but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. That, that, is, that is our in, inheritance. The worship team, you can come up. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Catch that. You've obtained an inheritance in Jesus and that all things work in according to the counsel of his will. So as they're going through the desert and murmuring and complaining and then receiving God's blessing, getting their hearts and mind right, going through another situation, it seems to be repetitive. All the while, God is doing something. And we're no different as we go through our experiences in life. But it says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That is a part of our inheritance. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? So there's more to come to the praise of his glory. Thank you, Lord. So important for us to recognize where we come from, where we are, where he's taking us to. He did not pull you out of slavery to keep you in the wilderness. He, he did not do a miracle, the mighty works that he did in the physical to show Egypt who he was. He didn't save you in a miraculous way, took you out of the miry clay, turned your life around. That as you're walking through sometimes a desert place, sometimes what seems like a wilderness, never forget his hand of protection. Their feet did not swell. And in the, in the military, one of the most important things is for you to take care of your feet. You have to take care of your body to continue on the journey. 
Imagine the things that they faced and he protected them from their feet not even swelling. Imagine as they moved along and left the water source and walking in to a barren land, relying on him leading them to the next water source that speaks about life, or speaks about being sustained. Imagine coming out of your tent in the morning and the manna being there, which Let your heart know, no matter what I'm going through, God is with me. God is providing for me. And I'm not going to be able to store this up because he says, I'll provide for you today. You you walk in today and, and, and you trust in me for tomorrow. It was a quick trip, a couple of weeks from where they started and where the promised land was. But God was doing a work in his people, setting them apart, teaching them to trust, teaching them to love him. And he's also patient because They murmured, complained, and sinned all the way through, just like we do. But it says he set a seal on them. They they were his. He was going to keep his promise, and he's going to keep his promise to each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you as we look at these kind of stories in the physical. We we can see it in our own lives, Lord. We, We can hold on to the promises that you have for us. We can be satisfied right now in you, Lord. And at the same time, recognize you have so much more in our tomorrows. Thank you, God. We can look back and and remember where you brought us from. Out of slavery. We can see your hand of discipline, Lord. How you're changing us day by day, Lord. How you're providing for our needs, Lord. Not only our physical needs, but our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs, Lord. Everything that we need to be sustained, Lord, you you provide. We thank you, God. We thank you most of all, Lord, for taking us out of slavery. That, That now we could be Bond servants, Lord, slaves to you in righteousness because we love you, Lord. And we only love you because you first loved us, oh God. Let us walk, Lord, recognizing that you 
have taken us out, to bring us through, and where you're going to take us to, oh God. Let the one that doesn't know you this day, Lord, fall to their knees, recognizing their need for you in their wilderness, and that they will not make it through without you, oh God. That they would repent, turn from their sins, put their confidence in the shed blood of Jesus and the price that he paid on that cross. And for us that are saved, Lord, let us never forget the price that you paid for us, oh God, which gives us a confidence in what you're going to do what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We lay all these things before you, thanking you, Lord, for whatever season you have us in, knowing that we're walking into the promised land. Be glorified, O oh God. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.